So now as I drink some water, still struggling with the cold, I know a lot of us are kind of sick, right? Either it seems like whatever's been going around has been lingering, right? Not a good way to kind of to you know, end the one year and begin the new year. But be that as it may, we want to, um, of course, as we always like to do, to bring our attention and our focus to the Word of God. So if you would pray along with me, I will then uh, um, read in just a few moments our passage from 1 Corinthians 11 today as we just focus all of our attention on the Lord's Supper and what that means to us as his followers. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for calling us together in community. And Lord, you have called us together in community and you have told us to um, remember baptism, baptize one another. You have also called us to remember what you did with your friends, the disciples, on that night before you were betrayed. And so as we obey your commands to us, and as we do what the church is called to do, Father, we set aside that time this morning to gather around the Lord's table to remember the death, suffering of our Savior. But Father, I pray that this morning, as we look at your word a little more intently, and what it says about this remembrance of you, God, that we would understand a little bit deeper this ceremony, this memorial, this remembrance, and Father, that we would uh, take ownership of it, that we would make it our own, and that we would understand what it is that you have truly done for us, and how as we reflect on a year gone by and look forward with anticipation to a new year ahead, help us, Father, to retain those things which are good, profitable, beneficial for us. Help us to release those things that we need to get rid of, that we need not carry over from last year, and that we would also remember, remember those things that you have done for us, especially, Father, for giving us the Lord Jesus. So we say thank you, and as we open your word, God, for your Holy Spirit, illuminate it to us anew and afresh today. May we be transformed and changed from the inside out the power of your word to us this morning. We pray these things as always in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't the power of memory awesome? You know, how many times we walked into a room and we kind of just stand there with a deer in the headlights look and say, what did I come into this room for? Right? We all do that. And unfortunately, as some of us get older, I guess we all get older, but as some of us get older, we see the, we kind of like realize that more and more. They all say, right, memory is the first thing to go. But isn't just our memory, it's just amazing the way God created the things that we remember. We're ever just like amazed at how you can forget like, you know, some really important things, but what you remember and retain so vividly is just, just like that, that nonsense or just like, you know, those, those facts that really have no purpose unless you're going to be on Jeopardy, you know. And we just remember sometimes the the silliest things, but our memory can also be so, just so powerful in the way that it affects who we are, how we think, and even 
as we reflect on a year gone by and we move forward into a new year. We remember. You know, the Lord Jesus in the passage we're going to read in just a couple of minutes, he says a couple of times as Paul recounts it, you know, he says to do this in remembrance of me. Of course, talking about the Last Supper, the night before he was betrayed, and he's gathered around with his disciples, and he is showing them how they are to be and to act as he leaves, and he's giving them things to remember. And he's trying to just impress upon their memories so that they do not forget. You know, we go all the way back to the Old Testament. We can see it in Deuteronomy and other places where Moses and other leaders of the, the, um, the Jewish people would just continue with every generation to say, remember, pass it on the teachings of God and the the traditions and the teachings of your fathers and their fathers, right, and your families to pass it on to the next generation. Don't we have that responsibility to remember what the Lord has done for us, to reflect upon it, to allow it to change us, but also to then tell the next generation, of the good things that God has done. You know, our memories can be so powerful. Sometimes they can deceive us and they can be so fleeting. Right? But yet, can be so powerful. And especially, we have things in our lives that can be symbolic of things that have happened in the past. Maybe it's a, you know, you take the opportunity to go through a photo album. It just reminds you of things that you've done in the past, the way how you used to look really cool and you used to look good, right? Sometimes we don't want to look at all those pictures. But, you know, whatever, maybe it's a special piece of jewelry or or something you receive from somebody special in your life and you look at it and what does it do? It brings back a memory. You know, at Christmas, um, we all receive lots of gifts and we can look at those gifts and, you know, forever that we have those gifts, it will remind us of the person that we received it from. You know, I received one special gift this Christmas from a best friend growing up. Uh, we've I've mentioned him many times. His name is Tom, and we've known each other since kindergarten. I mean, how many of you can say that you still have a close friend since, from kindergarten, right? It's pretty cool. And uh, he actually, as I mentioned before, he actually was the one that led me to the Lord, and we were in a Christian rock band together for many years, and he wound up marrying my, uh, my wife's sister, so he became my brother-in-law. Great story, you know? And my joke is always that I can't get rid of him, you know? Because he's, but, uh, but such a, you know, he's also very sentimental. And um, he lives far away now down in, in uh, South Carolina. But, of course, you know, when you're friends with somebody that long, um, you know, uh, you, you have start a conversation, and it feels like you're just picking up from the last time. So he sent me a gift. We did this thing where we had, like, the Secret Santa, you know, so we weren't buying gifts for everybody in the family. And so he had me, so he had to get me a gift. And so what he did was um, he took a picture from way back when, when we were in this Christian band together. And it was a picture of him. He was the drummer, and I was the bass player and the, and the lead singer. Go figure, right? And, um, and it was a picture from a concert we did. And we must have been, I don't know, we were probably uh, maybe 20 years old. And, uh, and it was a picture of him playing drums, and I was playing the bass and singing, but I was looking at him and he was looking at me. It was just a, you know, a, somebody took that picture during the concert. And it was just a great picture of us kind of just rocking out, you know, but looking at each other. And it's symbolic of the connection and the relationship that we have. 
And he took this picture and he blew it up. He put it in a nice frame and did some cool artistic stuff to it. And so now I'm going to put that up in the wall in, in our bedroom, you know, and it's just like, what will that do every time I see that picture? Reminds me, right, of that time. It reminds me of the music we made together. It reminds me mostly of the one who sent me that picture, you know. And so it can bring back very vivid, strong memories, memories, things that we do want to remember. There's often things in life that we don't want to remember, right? But what a special gift that was because it helps me to remember. And so just with our, our, you know, last 10 to 15 minutes together this morning uh, before we we, um, take the Lord's Supper together, I want to just briefly remind all of us, including myself, what this truly means. When we get together on a Sunday, the first Sunday of the month, we gather around the Lord's table and we take the elements, the bread, we take the cup, and what they symbolize. Because the Lord Jesus, during the Last Supper when he was celebrating the Passover meal, he did something very symbolic. He chose bread and he chose the cup to symbolize something really important. He did that so that his disciples would always remember. But he then gave it to us as the church. And he said to his disciples, but to us also, 2,000 years later, he said, do this, what? In remembrance of me. So that we would always remember. So he says, whenever, as often as you get together, we choose to do it once a month here, we do it on a regular basis so that we will always remember. You know, the, the Lord's Supper, of course, we need to understand just a brief uh, reminder of what was happening there, that upper room during the Last Supper, that what they were doing was celebrating the Passover meal. We all remember that. The Passover was the great celebration, the most sacred feast of the Jewish religious year, actually remembering what God had done for His people as uh, the nation of Israel would celebrate and remember on the Passover what God had done for them, rescuing them from death, saving them, bringing them out of bondage, slavery. And they never wanted to forget that. They were told to remember that always. And so every year they would celebrate the Passover. So, of course, we know, it's no coincidence, that that is what Jesus and his disciples were celebrating and remembering that night. And so they were partaking of the Passover meal. Um, And so Jesus, though, he instituted what he said was a new covenant, a new ordinance. He took this age-old celebration of the Passover and he made it new. For us, His church. It is now an integral part of our Christian worship because it causes us to remember the Lord's death and resurrection and to look for His glorious return in the future. In fact, what we do in the Lord's Supper, communion, we often call it, it's one of the two ordinances that the Lord Jesus commanded His church to observe, baptism and communion, the Lord's Supper. We know that as in the upper room there, they were celebrating the Passover. They were commemorating that final plague that was given to Egypt when the firstborn 
of the Egyptians would die and the Israelites were spared. Why? Because remember what they had to do? They had to take the blood of the lamb and sprinkle it on their doorposts. That lamb was then roasted and eaten as part of the celebration with unleavened bread. And God's command, we see it all in Exodus 12, if you want to write that in your notes. God's command was that throughout the generations, the generations to come, that that feast would be celebrated in remembrance of what God had done. But during the Last Supper, the, the last supper Jesus, what did he do? He took a loaf of bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. He says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember that? In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's read what the Apostle Paul describes to us as church in celebrating this. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 11, 23-29. Here's what it says. These are verses, look, these are verses that I read uh, just about every month as we do this on the first Sunday, but never really gone through them. And so I want to read those for you again, but let's look at them a little bit deeper. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed, He took bread. When He had given thanks, He broke it, and He said, This is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. So familiar words, but also some that we don't always read or hear about, that Paul adds from the Gospel accounts, where he says that we are to examine ourselves and to make sure that we are not approaching the bread and the cup, and taking those elements in any unworthy manner. We'll look at why he says that in just a moment. But you know, it was during the Last Supper, when Jesus was gathered with his friends, his disciples, that they celebrated the Passover. And after that meal, they concluded by singing a hymn. They went out into the night to the Mount of Olives, and it was there that Jesus was betrayed, as it was predicted, by Judas, the following day he was crucified. But why then does Paul add those words when he says to make sure that whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord to not do it in an unworthy manner because he'll be guilty of sinning. Why is that? He was writing to the Christians in the church of Corinth who were known to be selfish and greedy and not considering their brothers and sisters Look, this is why it's so important and why I want to make mention of it. Because Jesus, of course the Apostle Paul, following the teaching of Jesus, wanted to keep unity in the church. See, Jesus had gathered with His friends, right? Don't we love to celebrate with people? We're going to do that in a little while and gather together in fellowship, in 
community. That's where the word communion comes from. Community, because it's something we do together as a church. You see, that night, Jesus was instituting something new. Right? He was actually, in a sense, we'll see in a moment, completing the celebration of the Passover, saying that that sacrificial system and remembering that was no longer necessary. He say, this is a new covenant in my blood, and do this in remembrance of me. But he was doing it around the table in community with his friends. And he was doing it saying, I want there to be unity in the church. The church that I will build, Jesus says. He says, I want there to be unity in the church because you're going to be getting it from all sides. The world will be against you. He said, but I am with you always. Remember, he said that to the same group of people. So that night, he is celebrating the Passover. Maybe the way that we might think that we celebrate Thanksgiving. And there's a lot of food, but there's also a lot to remember. There's symbolism in what Jesus was doing that night. And he wanted there to be unity, so he said, don't partake of this ceremony in the wrong way. Don't come at it with the wrong heart attitude. If you have a problem with a brother or sister in the Lord, approach them first. Take time to examine it. See, in a practical way, what he was really saying to the people in the church in Corinth was he knew that there were people that were coming and coming with a gluttonous attitude. And they were taking the meal for themselves and they were dismissing others of the fellowship, looking down upon them, thinking of themselves better than the others, not even leaving food for the others, see? He said, so if you're coming to this, something we're supposed to do in remembrance of the Lord Jesus and His sacrifice, we should do it with the right heart attitude, making sure that we're not doing it in an unworthy manner. He says if you do so, there will be judgment. He goes on to say after these verses we read that he says that's why some of you are sick and ill. He's saying, look, you're not approaching it the right way. You're not understanding Jesus wants unity in his church. And so that's why he says every time as often as you gather together, do this together in communion with one another in remembrance of me. Because Jesus is the head of his church, is he not? Trinity. Is his church. He is the head of this church and the church universal. He wants there to be unity right, in this church and in all of his churches. And so he says, Paul adds these words, don't do this in an unworthy manner. Also, another important reason why Paul would add that, something we really need to take heart to this morning, is that perhaps there were many had celebrated the Passover year after year after year, it kind of become just nothing to them. Just a ceremony, a tradition. You know what that feels like, right? We've all experienced that. You go through the motions and you even forget why you're doing something. So Paul is saying in these, in these verses in 1 Corinthians 11, he's saying, let us always remember what the Lord Jesus has done. Let it never become just a tradition. Let us never just approach it in an unworthy manner and just go through the motions as a formal ritual. You know, the church has been notorious in that 
over the centuries, hasn't it? Just adding in so many traditions and rituals to help us remember things, which in and of itself is good, but then what happens is we just start going through the motions and we even forget why we do what it is that we're doing. And so, we must always remember when we gather around the Lord's table what it is that He has done for us. He had also said in verse 26, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death when? Until He comes. Did you know He's basically giving a time frame? He's putting a limit on how often and how long actually we should celebrate this ceremony. It's until the Lord returns. Because when He returns for us, we don't need to any longer do this because we will be in His presence. We will never again forget. Is that something? So He says, do this as often as you get together until He returns. So Jesus broke the bread, speaking of His body, which would be broken. Not a bone in His body was broken, but when we say His body was broken, we know that He was tortured so badly that he was hardly recognizable. I didn't want to go into all the details. We can picture it. We know it. But his body broken for us in that way. His blood poured out for us. And all that that means, Jesus, the perfect Son of God, really became the fulfillment of all those Old Testament prophecies about the Redeemer. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. He said it was a new covenant to replace the old covenant because Christ was that perfect and final Passover lamb. Isn't that amazing? Let us always remember that as well. That what were the Jewish people doing remembering in the Passover? Remembering God's goodness, right? In saving them from the last plague, right? We all know that story. Saving them from slavery and bondage in Egypt. God saved them from death by telling them to take that Passover lamb that they used every year. They would take a Passover lamb and they would would kill it. They would eat it. He said, take its blood, put it over your doorpost, and death will pass over you. So we get that name, Passover. So they were remembering that. And Jesus is saying, I offer you a new covenant. Because what he was saying was, I am this sacrificial lamb. Can you imagine They're sitting at the the table in that upper room. And on the table is the sacrificial lamb. And it's part of their ceremonial feast. And Jesus is looking down at that. Did they all even understand just yet? No, they didn't. That Jesus was that final lamb. The lamb that needed to be slain. His blood poured over the doorpost of our heart so that we might have life and escape eternal death. Jesus did that for us. So He says, do this in remembrance of Me. Some final thoughts. When we take in just a few moments the Lord's Supper, remember that we are receiving to remember. You know, these elements are, usually they're passed around. So as you receive them, recognize what they represent, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. When you become a believer, you receive into your life the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart. So we receive the elements. 
just as we receive him. When you receive the elements this morning, the bread and the cup, do it in remembrance of him. You know, when we remember something, aren't we trying to just kind of make it real again? We look at a a photo and we kind of are just transported back in time to that moment to make it real again. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me so that we would always remember his words, his life, his deeds, and his death, all that brings life to us. I want to end with sharing this. Um, it's really important that this is, this, the symbolism here is not forgotten and not missed. He gives the bread, which symbolizes his body given for us, he gives the cup, and he gives the cup. You know, and he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood that it's shed for you. And he offers this new covenant in that cup, right? Let me give you just a, an idea of what they might have been thinking about. You know, back in first uh, century, uh, Middle East, and first century, Israel, where they were, there was an understanding by Jesus and all that were at the table about what the marriage ceremony looked like. See, back in that day, in the first century, in that area of the world, in that culture, what would happen was, it really is not like the way it would happen today, but when there was going to be a marriage, it was arranged. How many of you are from an arranged marriage? Now, you don't have to raise your hand. But it's not something we often do here, right? We don't see that in our culture. But the marriage was arranged. And here's what would happen. And as I just read through these simple steps of um, a wedding ceremony and how it would all take place, just consider what Jesus was doing that night, what He was trying to teach His disciples. So what would happen would be the Father, the Father of the groom would go and pay for the bride and establish a marriage covenant. He would go to the bride's father. They would come up with a price. Sounds scandalous, right? Why on earth did they do that? That was the culture. And it was an extremely high price, of course. So the fathers would agree upon a price. Okay? So then, the so there had to be a price paid. A price paid. A price paid the bride the son would return to his father's house after that arrangement was made and the price was agreed upon the son would return to his father's house and prepare for the arrival of the bride you see that the son would return to the father's house at that time after preparing a place a time would be determined by the father for the groom to go and get the bride and bring her to his father's house. But that time was not told to the bride. I hope you're getting the symbolism here. Jesus was telling his disciples, this is like a marriage covenant, right? The bride and the bridegroom. Are we not as the church? It's amazing. And so this is what was probably going through their minds. And so he's raising this cup, and this why this is why. 
So what would happen would be the bride would undergo a ritual cleansing prior to the wedding ceremony to live holy and pure before the Son would return. Is that what we are supposed to do as the church? Waiting for our Lord to return? And then, of course, we know that there would be a big celebration, a marriage feast to which many would be invited. But here's the thing. During that whole process, when the fathers would agree upon a price, the father of the groom would go back with the groom and present his son to the bride-to-be. And he would give, the father would give a cup of wine to his son. And the son would turn to the bride-to-be and he would raise that cup and say, this is the cup that represents a new covenant. My life given to you. Do you accept my offer? Jesus is telling His disciples, He's telling us today, that He makes an offer of Himself to us. Just as the Son of the Father would go before His betrothed, His wife-to-be, say, I'm offering Myself to you. And that's what this cup represents. Giving Himself over. See, help. let us always remember what the, the depth is of the meaning behind the Lord's Supper, that we would never just take it as a ritual or ceremony, that we would just you know, forget what it truly means. We kind of take the bread and cup and listen to nice music and do it. But no, we are to just have a time of reflection, understanding what God has done for us and remembering. What is it that we remember? We remember the Lord's sacrifice on the cross. But also, we are to remember that we are to do this, to remember, to pass it on to the next generation until the Lord returns. So that is where we get the hope. We get the hope of knowing that He will return for us. So finally, as we look to a new year, a new year that's upon us, we look with great anticipation of all that the Lord is going to do in and through us individually and as a church. But we also need to remember this. We should retain what is good and all those things that we experienced and happened in our lives last year, those memories, and we retain those good things that are healthy and good for our spirit. But we also have been given the freedom to release those things that will weigh us down, those things that we do not want to carry from last year into the new year. Release those things in your life that are unhealthy spiritually, Mentally, physically, release them and let them go. But also then, to remember the Lord's hand in everything in 2017. Remembering His goodness, His grace, His promises, His sacrifice to us. But that as His church, we are to continue to move forward, embrace new things, accept change, anticipate growth in every way. Anticipate amazing things because we serve an amazing God, but that we are to do it all together, that God desires unity in His church. Jesus says, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We remember that He says He is for us. 
That is what brings us hope. So as we partake of the Lord's Supper together, we do so in remembrance of Him. We do so remembering that these words have meaning. They have context. They have substance. When Jesus had gathered around that table, when He gathered around with His friends in communion, in community with His friends, and He says to them, this is My body when He breaks the bread, and this is the cup represents a new covenant. He is saying that old system is no longer necessary. I am the one. I have given My life for you.